This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here in, in association with my good friends at CDF Capital and Food for the Hungry, who's doing such incredible work around the world. I'm excited today to have a conversation with my friend Noah Heron. Noah and I, we met a few months back at a Colorado dude ranch. It was filled with a number of, of pastors um, that they would refer to um, as the young guns. I'm not sure how I got invited to it, but um, Brad Lominick had, had brought a few different people, and I had the chance to sit during a prayer time with this, this 26-year-old Noah Heron. And, I, and I'll just tell you, I walked away just really, really impressed with this guy's heart. Um, he's an, a gifted communicator. You're going to hear just a clip and his sound um, from a teach he did recently called Came Through Drippin'. And uh, this guy leads... Uh, an amazing, amazing ministry that you're going to get to hear about called Neighborhood Young Adults. He just has a heart for helping people find Jesus. Um, but I walked away from this prayer time and and I just was like, I got to get to know him. But I think part, part of me was like, he's 26. He's 26 years old. Um, oftentimes I've been interviewing people on this podcast that have been kind of seasoned communicators for two, three decades. But there was something about him that I just was like, he's got something to teach me. And then I started following him on, on Instagram. And as I'm following him, he makes this post about seven lessons that he's learned from preaching. And I thought to myself, man, at 26, here's a guy who is already curious, humble, trying to distill down what the point of the craft of communication is all about. So I just felt kind of inspired in that moment to reach out and be like, hey, Noah, what if you and I did a craft and character podcast? I'd love for people to know you. I'd love to encourage you, but I think you have something to teach me and teach our listeners. And so he graciously said yes. So before I dive in to interview him, let's go to a clip because I want you to hear the passion, the humility, the heart of Noah. So check this out and then we will dive right in. I tell this story because I think sometimes it's really easy to read the passage of Scripture that we've read this morning. How many of you read this Scripture before? It's really easy to read about Peter and be like, man, Peter, how could you blow it? How could you blow it, man? You were walking on water, and then you blew it. And yet, we make the same mistake almost every day that Peter made in the moment. What was the mistake? He took his eyes off of Jesus and put it on his situation. How many times, instead of, instead of going to the provider, we try to make our own provision? How many times do we try to make the way instead of going to the way maker? How many times do we try to build a life instead of going directly to the one who promises it forever? It's easy to think that Peter was some screw up but we miss what's right in front of us when we focus on the situation instead of our Savior. You can't really blame Peter when we're guilty of the same things. 
What I love about this story is the fact that Jesus asked Peter to do something scary. Now, um, we have this lady at our church. Her name is Miss Thelma. And uh, she sits on the front row. She sits front and center every Sunday, both services. She's there, both services, front and center. And she says this thing. Um, she's quoting scripture, but, but she says it, and it gets me fired up. I want to take a lap when she says it. She goes, but God, just like that. I mean, organ cues right away. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. And, and that's, that's scriptural. That's real. That's, every time she says it, I'm like, man, that is, that is, that's a good word. But then I read this, and I was like, if God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, then why is Jesus asking Peter to do something scary? That's confusing. That's a little bit, like, can we disagree that when, when Jesus said, come to me on the water, that this was a scary thing? Right, like, this was not the wave pool at Disney World. This is a storm that is scaring professional fishermen. They're in boats a lot. They see lots of storms. They're terrified for their lives. And here comes Jesus and he says, come to me on the water. This is a scary thing. Why would Jesus say that he hasn't given you a spirit of fear and then ask you to do something scary? I believe it's because there's a difference between a spirit of fear and the feeling of fear. Noah, hey man, thank you so much for joining us on the Crafting Character Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. This is this is amazing. Thanks for having me, Steve. Definitely, man. Well, you you had some. Let's let's just say we're going to talk about your teach in a moment because again, I loved it. I appreciate you and respect your your sound and your voice and just what you're doing for the kingdom. But um, you you kind of made a, a big announcement recently. You're you're going to be a dad. We are, man. I'm I am absolutely stoked out of my mind and also so terrified. So any advice and tips that you have, I will gladly take, whether that's on this podcast or off <laughs> it. Um, I'm really, really pumped, man. We're expecting uh, in October. Oh, fantastic, bro. Well, I'll tell you what, they change everything and I would never go back. It's just, it's just the best thing ever. Well, um, Hey, give us a little little background on you uh, and the neighborhood young adults, what you're doing. I just want our listeners to to really get a sense of of what you're building and leading and and just who you are. Mm. So my wife and I have a huge heart for college and young adult ministry. We both gave our life to Jesus while we were in college. And so um, that's always been something we've both been passionate about. And we led a young adult ministry in uh, a little town called Cleveland, Tennessee, for about four years. And that ministry was called The Gathering, which was an amazing time, um, typical like structure of ministry. We gathered weekly. We had about four to 600 college students on Thursday nights. It was amazing. But about halfway through our time there, we started to be convicted by the Holy Spirit that maybe we had a ministry that was impressive that didn't always look like Jesus. Um, and a big part of that we felt like was um, the lack of discipleship taking place. So uh, during the pandemic, we actually moved to Atlanta to help my parents um, revitalize a church. And while we were doing that, we still felt like um, young adult ministry was a big passion. And so we launched our own nonprofit, Neighborhood Young Adults, where our goal is to disciple a thousand young adults in 2021. Um, and so we're doing this uh, both in person in Atlanta, where we have house groups that meet weekly on Sunday nights, and then we do like a once a month worship gathering. But the real kind of difference in this ministry is we're getting people, young adults from all over the country to join a uh, weekly Bible study on Monday nights. 
Um, and so this is for young adults who go to a church that doesn't have anything specifically for young adults. We encourage people, hey, if your church is doing something for young adults, don't be a part of this. It's not for you. But those who are at a smaller church or a church that just can't afford young adult ministry, they get on um, with their friends in their home. And we just kind of like set the plate for them to eat off of. You know, we give some context to a, a chapter of scripture. We talk about um, some key verses and then we let them have conversation offline with their friends in their home. And it's been a blast, man. We we're giving away tons of free resources to these young adults and just enjoying talking scripture with them. I love that. I love the fact that you were able to identify that it was impressive, but wasn't looking like Jesus. And kind of, I, I think oftentimes uh, most people will double down in, in the, I want to be more impressive and I want I want, I want more. But you guys were able to almost stop, reflect, but then really discover what the actual ache was and almost look to go, okay, how do we begin to kind of build this out? And, you know, I, I remember talking to someone who was connected to, to neighborhood young adults and I was asking them like, hey, okay, like, is this just in Atlanta? And they're like, no, 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 this is actually all over. And I was like, really? Like, wh- like what do you mean? Like, it's still back in Cleveland, Tennessee? Like, no, 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 this is like all over. Um, you know, can I, can I put you on the spot? Like, what, what, what is that? What does that look like when, when this guy <laughs> who, uh, I, I obviously knows you, but like, he was like saying all over, what, what does that look like? Well, right now I think we have 38 States represented. Um, so we've got house groups kind of happening all over the place. Um, and then we've got some international, um, people who hop on the cause as well. And so it's crazy. We, we honestly, um, probably wouldn't have even tried it if the pandemic wouldn't have happened. But we just realized like so many young adults were needing community. And we'd always looked at online as more of an evangelistic tool than a community building tool. Um, But we've just seen how there are students who are hungry for Jesus, but they don't always know how to take that next step of being discipled, or they don't have someone at their local church who is taking the time to disciple them. And so we're just trying to bridge the gap for those churches so that their young adults will uh, not leave the church, but actually serve the church. And so it's been, it's been crazy, man. It's been fun. It's fantastic, man. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Obviously, this is a, a podcast where we talk about, you know, the, the, the craft of communication. And we always want to just be the kind of people where we're getting better at, at kind of the, the sacred art of helping people bring order to the chaos of their lives. And, you know, that's what God exemplified right from the jump of scripture. You know, there was chaos. It was tohu vavohu, formless and empty. And he just said, let there be light and spoke order into the chaos. And um, I, I think for you as a communicator, give us a little background. We just got to hear sound and, and, and kind of clip of you as a teacher. What were you trying to accomplish in that came through dripping teach? And, and give us a little bit of your prep process. Mm. Well, that message means a, um, a great deal to me because it's, it's a message that I needed to hear um, when I was first making the decision to follow Jesus because I was always under the impression that if I gave my life to Jesus, that I would stop sinning, um, that it would just go away. And so when that didn't happen, uh, when I still was a sinner, it made it very frustrating for me. I I started to get exhausted. You know, I'd have this conversation with God, like, hey, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then I would do that, um, that same thing. And and I, I had this like 
this thought and maybe this prayer to God, like, Hey, either I'm not doing this right, or you're not real. And, um, I realized now what I was doing is I was putting myself in these like spiritual timeouts instead of coming to the feet of Jesus with the sin and trying to, um, have my life changed by his presence in my life. Like I was just trying to be like, Hey, I'm cutting all of this out right here, right now, and totally forsaking the idea of sanctification. And so I preach that message um, to adults, but I really like to preach that message to students because I found that a lot of times students, they struggle with sin by hiding in shame. You know, they sin and they take a week off from coming to youth group or they sin and they take, they just stop coming to church because they feel like they don't know how to, how to stop, you know, and they, they have these questions of like, is God even real? And so the whole idea was like, the water represents your failure. Um, but Peter immediately got back into the boat after he failed and began to worship Jesus. The Bible says all the disciples began to worship Jesus, um, saying, truly, you are the son of God. And so um, that was the message. Like, hey, if you failed this week, come down here to this altar and have an encounter with Jesus. There's no better decision that you could make. I love that. I love that. That's such a beautiful idea. And I think so often you're right. You know, there are these words that, and some somehow, you know, they 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 run its course maybe for a decade or a few years, and then they almost get shelved. And and sanctification seems to be like one of those words that just is. You know, I, I remember for a season it was kind of a big deal, and then I feel like it two decades it was too many syllables, and like it just kind of got pushed out in so many ways. But I think more than ever we're 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 longing to see. Um, a healthy picture of what that looks like. And you you offered that up really, really well, in my opinion. I, I, I'm curious, as you start to kind of, you know, you travel, you teach, you're, you're kind of preaching um, on, on the regular, like what does prep process look like for you um, as you kind of have a couple messages? I know you're flying out tomorrow to, to go teach. And um, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So uh, the starting place is always the most different. I've, I've found like in my routine, um, everything is very similar except the starting place. Like sometimes I'll be, you know, I'll be in the word and it'll just be so clear and easy. Like this is what I'm supposed to uh, write a message on. And then there's other times, man, I'll be, I'll be jamming to music in my car or I'll be washing my hair in the shower. And I'll just have a thought that maybe like didn't even come from scripture, but like that's how came through drip and happened I, I was listening to the radio and there was a very bad song playing on the radio and it, it actually used that uh that phrase in the lyrics and i was like man that's an interesting concept and um a few weeks later i'm reading my bible i'm reading the story of peter walking on the boat and i was like came through dripping that's it you know and it just kind of all clicked but once i get an idea wherever that comes from um, I like to start as early as I can in the process. Uh, I read one time when I was first starting out that Andy Stanley liked to start on Mondays. And I was like, man, if Andy Stanley has to start a week out, I need to start like a year out because um, it's just I, when I feel prepared, I feel like I I have more confidence to not be as dependent on what I've prepared, which is like the greatest place I can be because it allows the Holy Spirit to kind of take over my message when he wants to. Um, and so throughout the week, it's kind of, you know, try, try to get the, the manuscript as early as possible in the week. And then the rest of the week is going over it and trying to make it as simple as possible. So when I'm actually teaching it, 
it's um it's got a lot of room for whatever the holy spirit wants to do i love that i love that i <clears throat> when i was 20 years old i i was uh invited down there there were these you know national pastors conferences uh and, and i remember we <clears throat> i went down to san diego and I was hanging out with a few different pastors, um, Rob Bell, Erwin McManus, and Francis Chan. So it was the four of us. Like these three just are like just together and then me. And somehow um, I had known Rob. I had I'd known Erwin a little bit and I had known Francis a little bit. But they, they just let me sit down at a table with them. And Francis was just at the very, very beginning of his kind of understanding that the Trinity wasn't Father, Son, Holy Bible. Um, but there was a Holy Spirit. And so he, he was like asking this question. He said, you know, like, like I you ever have these moments when you're teaching and then all of a sudden you feel as if like God is, I don't know, it's like a story comes to mind that was never in your prep process, but you end up going with that story and it totally takes the teaching to the next level. He's like, and Francis is like, just like asking so curiously and earnestly to Rob and Erwin and Erwin just looks at him and goes, you know why that, why that happens. And Francis is like, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And Erwin's like, Francis, you know why that happens. And at this moment, I'm like pulling out a pen because I know like some like grabbing a napkin, some truth. And I'll never forget it. And you kind of alluded to it. Erwin just says, Francis, when you are prepared, you actually give the spirit of God more freedom to move. Because what often happens is when we are just not prepared, it hasn't like taken, it's not, we haven't marinated on the idea. It's not within us. We're like, we're more like attached and connected to our notes or more attached and connected to what's the next slide, what's happening what, with this transition rather than what God wants to do in the room. And we're, we're more freed up to that room. That's when those stories can come. So I, dude, I love that. I love that. You, you, uh, you a few months ago, you dropped these seven lessons that you've learned from preaching. Uh, and, and I love it because you said many times the hard way in my first five years. And I, I, again, I just thought it was such a beautiful, humble, um, yeah, just, just you distilled down a number of, uh, of things that it made me go back to, man, when I was just starting out, um, what would I have said? And a lot of these just really, really connected. Um, and some that I had not even thought of that I was like, oh my goodness, that's, that's really, really good. Um, I'd love to walk these, walk like one by one through because, and just to hear just a little bit more. I mean, you wrote kind of a sentence and I just love to press and, and kind of go, what, 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 what led you to this? So the first one you said, you are preaching a message about the greatest servant of all time. You were there to serve, not to be served. That's number one. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I also want to want to preface, um, especially this one. Uh, I I'm like a cusper. I'm like um, technically a a very young millennial, but I'm very close to being a Gen Z. And okay. I've noticed that in our generations, millennial Gen Z, the like traveling evangelist has become like the thing that everyone wants to do um or like be called to do and i think that um that's great if god's raising up a ton of traveling evangelists and preachers or communicators whatever 
Um, but I've also noticed, and a lot of these came from this noticing that I think it's a lot of times the parts that seem like really sexy and like fun that people are desiring. And so part of my story is uh, I did not want to go into ministry. I started a Bible study that grew and um, I started stealing Judah Smith messages like word for word um, at this Bible study. And I'm so thankful that it happened that way because I felt like I was ignorant in learning some of this stuff, like the hard way, like early. Um, And so that's where this first one came from. Like I'm stealing Judah Smith messages. I get invited to preach somewhere that I should not have been invited to. And um, when I was there, there was a communicator that I'd I'd watched uh, online before. And and I was a big fan of his. And um, I just remember him being different uh, in person. And um, and it was really disappointing to me uh, because on stage, I was like, man, this guy is so like, he's humble and he loves Jesus and, and he's funny and uh, and then I got around him at this event and I was like, man, like, that's not the way that he's coming across to the people who are like, like paying him to preach the gospel, you know? And it just really, really affected me um, to the point where I even thought like, what if someone who had given their life to Jesus through one of his messages experienced, you know, something like this, like what it, maybe he had an off day and that's the way that I was, was hoping, but I was like, I wonder how that would affect you know, someone who gave their life to Jesus to to this person. Um, And I'm believing he had an off day, but it's been something that I've never forgotten. Like when I'm, when I'm preaching and when I'm invited, it's like, like, yo, this message that I am sharing is about the greatest servant of all time. And so if I am really going to be someone who practices what he preaches, like, yeah, there's this element of like, they want to honor me while I'm there, but honor works both ways. Like I should be wanting to honor them while I'm there. And the best way I can do that is like, Hey, what's the heart for this weekend? You know, like, how can I take pressure off of you? How can I make it easier off of you? Like, you don't have to treat me like a rock star. Please don't like, you know, like, let me be a servant to you. And I think when you do that, not only are you able to hopefully minister better to the people that are there, but you're also ministering to the people who invited you. And to me, that's just as important. These people who are pouring out every single week, like when I go someplace, I hope that they're refreshed by our relationship and, and our conversation too. I love that. I think it's so good. And I also think it's it works from a communicator side because I, you know, I remember listening to this comedian, Michael Jr., and he he talked about how for 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 many moments of his career, he needed the crowd to laugh. Like he needed like that would validate him, you know, like as a great comedian rather than I've got a gift that I want to give to you. And it just and he just said it was just it, it's the same jokes. It just came from like a different mindset, you know, and I and I think um, Danielle Strickland, before she ever teaches um, her pastor, Bruxy Carey, like gets out and during the bumper video, he just looks across the room and just says, I love you. I love you. I love you. May these words that I speak remind you that I love you. And it just, there's this sense of like, yes, how do these words serve um, um, this community? What that, what that house is trying to do, that congregation, but it always pointing to the greatest servant of all time. And, and again, I think you just, 
you have this uh, humility about you. Um, you have this, just this desire. I see it in you just to, just to, um, just to join people, um, you know, not to make it about you, but just to continue to, to amplify it. And I love that about you. Hey, number two, you said green rooms are like Costco's. You'll forget the reason you came there if you spend too much time in one. And I was like, that is absolute gold. Tell me about that. Well, first of all, if people have never heard of Costco, because I we didn't have one where we lived in Tennessee. So it's like a massive like Walmart on steroids. Like it, that's almost a disservice to call it a Walmart. Um, it is so amazing. Like there's so many things in there. And the first time we um, went to one, when we moved here to Georgia, we spent like three hours in there because it was just like, oh, look at that. And like, oh, look at that. Like, this is amazing. They have TVs next to oranges. You know, this is <laughs> wild. Um, and whenever I go places to speak, like oftentimes that's how I feel when I'm in the green room. You know, I'm like, man, look at that person. I'm Wow. You know, like they're so cool. And like, I've learned so much from them or like, man, I would love to talk to that person. And very quickly, if I'm not careful, like I can spend all my time in there and completely forget that like I came to serve the people that are there to hear the gospel. And um, I learned from a mentor of mine that uh, I can be a more effective communicator if I actually spend time pre-service and post-service like in the audience, um, meeting people, like saying hello, like it, it just helps you get a pulse for like the people who are there and also them get a pulse for you. And so as much as I love green rooms, like I didn't come to have that 30 minutes in the green room, right? Like, like I'm thankful for the relationships that hopefully are formed. But at the end of the day, my priority is not to network when I'm preaching. My priority is to help lost people or, or to serve people who are struggling. And so um, that is a really hard one for me to follow because like I said, like, you're looking around, you're like, man, this is fun. Like I'm meeting people who do what I do and all these things. But ultimately, like that's not my mission. It's interesting. I, uh, what stood out to me about that, and I love what you just shared, is, you know, Costco's got this membership, you know, if you don't got that that card, then they're not letting you in, you know. And 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 there's there's times where I'll see people whose their cards are expired or they can't get in because they don't, you know, for some apparent reason. And um and I think that there's a lot of people who are vying to be in some of those green rooms. And I, I love, love, love when I will go to a conference or go to a church or um, just kind of walk through the lobby and you'll see someone there just like engaging in actual conversation when they could be having, you know, backstage, you know, fancy water and cheese and, you know, all the, whatever it is back there. But they're like, no, 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 this is, this is it. And, and it requires, again, it's just a, a heart shift and a mental shift, but man, it, it, it pays off for those people. So number three, you said, don't try to feed anyone food you haven't eaten yourself. <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, if, if I had guests over, I wouldn't give them something that I didn't know was good. And um, I think you can go like a, a couple different ways with it. It's like, of course, I want to study myself to the point where like it's resonated in my heart. But also there's, um, I think it was TD Jakes one time I was listening to a leadership talk he gave to preachers. And he was saying that like, um, there are some things that you shouldn't try to preach because you don't have the authority yet. Like you haven't gone through that yet. And so like, it would be foolish for me to like go to a church 
and preach about like being crushed, you know, and like, like I've had a pretty great life so far, you know, like it just, it wouldn't come across what, like, I don't, I can't carry that weight. I haven't eaten that. I haven't like had to go through that spiritually at this point in my life. And so um, what I have gone through is like learning what it looks like to be faithful at a younger age or learning what it looks like to come to Jesus dripping with failure. Like I've eaten that, like I've gone through that. The Holy spirit has ministered to me in that way. So I feel like now when I preach that, not only do I know like this works, like I've had it, it's good. But also I feel like people are able to go, I can receive that because I can see that in, in him, you know? That's so good. I mean, and I think, I think that's a, there are times for me as well that I'll, I'll I'll be studying a passage and I'll be like, oh man, like this, this is like an, a message, like when I'm 50, you know, like I think I'll have a, a, I'll have some more insight, but I was a part of a teaching team at Rock Harbor and there had been um like a difficult season uh, of moral failing. And so we didn't have a, a teaching pastor. Um, and so basically I, I was an intern and there's like eight of us. And I loved it because the worship pastors, a guy by the name of Todd Proctor um, at the time, now he's uh, uh, works with Alpha, but he he basically created this this model that where we voted who was living out the theme. So if we're talking about humility, everyone like the eight of us would go, "Hey, who do we think is the most humble?" And we're like, "Well, it's probably Shambrook or Halliburton." All right, hey, any of you want to teach on that? And and basically that's that's how we, you had to live it if you were going to speak it. And I just I, I remember going, that is a, like, I'm so grateful for that picture because what I think a lot of people were growing is, is as long as you can communicate it or that you've studied it, then you can deliver it. But man, there is, there is just something like you said, when like that TD Jakes quote, when you have the authority because you have walked through that trial, that fire, you have, you have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord, you know, that's just powerful. All right. Number four. Number four, the best places to preach aren't the biggest, but the most eager to listen. Talk to me about that. Yeah, man. So um, I, I grew up with a lisp. And uh, when I was first starting to get asked to preach um, places, I was very insecure. And um, and I was talking to uh, a mentor who, who preaches a lot. And he gave me this advice. He said, um, you're putting way too much pressure on your delivery and yourself and not enough faith in the word of God. And, and he was like, when you get up to preach, if you've prepared, if you've spent time in prayer, if you spent time in the word, like it should just be letting yourself go and, and putting the, uh, the, the trust in, in God's word to do the work. Like it's up to people to show up with good soil. You know, he, he talks about the parable of um, the sower and the reaper, all those things. And um, it, it just changed my perspective. And now when I preach places, sometimes I'm like, oh man, this is going to be like a big place. This is awesome. And I'll get in there and it's like, these people aren't ready. Like they're like, there's some of them here who are ready, but then there are other places where I'll go and maybe there's a hundred people in the room, but man, they are leaned in. Like I, I could have just read scripture and they would have received it like so well. And so um, it's been such a relief to me to just be like, yo, I'm going to do my part. But almost like what you said with the comedian, if they don't laugh, you know, or, or if they don't receive this, like, 
that's between them, the Holy Spirit, them, God, you know, um, because I'm giving them the bread of life. And yeah. so if they receive this, it's, it's up to them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Number five, the chances of people remembering your messages are slim. The chances of people remembering you being in the lobby to pray or encourage them are much higher. Yeah, man. Um, as uh, pride killing as it is, I highly doubt that people remember my messages after the next Sunday. You know, I hope that they do. That's my goal. I'm like, like, man, I really hope that this sticks. And two years from now, if they're going through this again, that they'll remember these words. Like that's the goal when I'm preaching. Um, but when I think about like, what messages do I remember? The list is very small. I mean, uh, it just is like we, we uh, have the attention span of goldfish is what uh, they're saying now. And so um, if, if my goal is just to, to communicate the gospel alone, I don't know that that is as effective of a ministry as I can have. When I was first starting out, I actually interned at uh, Pastor Judah's church out in Seattle. It was um, not in LA at the time. And when I was there, um, I got to hear Pastor Judah preach every week. And he's one of my favorite preachers. I mean, I, I used to steal his messages, all that stuff. Uh, but to this day, there's only one message of his that I remember. And, and it's the first one I ever heard him preach. That's it. And he's one of the greatest communicators ever. But what I do remember is like the fourth week that I was there, he came out to the lobby and held the door for people as they were leaving. And as I was walking out the door, he complimented my smile and the way that I was helping serve. And I just like was like, whoa, like he cared enough to like come out here. Like he wasn't in the green room. He's like hanging with the serve team. He's telling people encouragement as they're out the door. And I still remember that. And I'll always remember that. And so um, when I go places, I want to be like that. You know, I don't want to be someone who's not a human. I want to be someone who's out there like praying, encouraging. And hopefully then um, they'll remember, like, maybe they'll remember more of the message. But at the very least, they'll remember like, yo, like that guy has Jesus inside of him. And like, maybe that will lead them to be more like Jesus too. So I love that. You know, uh, the, the way that I think of it very similarly to you is, you know, God gave his, his son two names. And the first one, Yeshua, uh, God is mighty to save and rescue. And oftentimes I think as communicators, we love that. You know, we want to help rescue and save and point people to Christ. Um, I think that over time, we almost forget that, that first name, Emmanuel, that God is with us. Um, and, and it's almost like we, 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 can get to places where we don't like to actually be with the people. And um, I, I think every weekend we walk into a church, we get to hopefully embody those two names, that God is with you in your pain um, and he's mighty to save. Um, and, it, and it's hard to save someone if you're not actually with them. And it's hard to encourage someone if you're not actually with them or pray for someone when you're not actually with them. And, you know, a mentor of mine just would always say like, um, it's very similar. Like you, they're not going to often remember what you say, but they're going to remember that you were there and there to pray, there to encourage, there just to laugh with them, there to celebrate their, their highs, their lows, like there. So be with them. And with that kind of influence that you have, then speak and guide them towards fresh water, you know, in Christ. And 
And so I, bro, I love this, that you, you are almost writing this down at 26, but these, man, they they only deepen in importance in your thirties and forties. Um, number six, being loud does not necessarily mean anointed. The power is from the presence of God and can speak through any decibel level. All right, talk to me, young man, because this, this is something that for a lot of people, it seems like loud is anointed, quiet is Bueller. You know what I mean? Like, well, okay. So um, when I was getting started, uh, I loved the response that loud preachers would get, you know, and, um, and a lot of the loud preachers I was listening to, to be fair, were great preachers. It's not that they were just yelling for no reason. They were very effective at what they were communicating. It was the gospel. Um, but I looked at the way they were delivering as that, that's how you are anointed. You just, you just yell like they're yelling. And, um, if you're yelling with nothing to say, and if you're yelling and it's not true to who you are, like as a communicator, then it's going to come across as extremely inauthentic. It's going to come across as like what is happening. Now, with that being said, there are, I've realized that there are some Christians or maybe even um, just some churches that like, they just respond generally better to that. Uh, but I quickly found out that like, I can get excited in messages and I do get excited in messages and raise my, my voice level. Um, but for me, I come across most authentic when I don't do that. And so um, if my goal is to be as effective as possible and like relaying this timeless truth, then I want to be as authentic as possible in who I am. And I think that's a mistake that um, a lot of young communicators make. It's like, I I've got to yell or it's not anointed. And it's like, no, like some of the greatest communicators I've ever listened to, like they, they talked at like a very low level. Um, and so it's, it's a lesson I'm learning that like, if I want to be more anointed, like that's what happens in preparation. That's what happens in my personal relationship with God and me just being obedient to what he's speaking to me. Um, not necessarily how loud I'm speaking it to others. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good because, you know, every, every band has to find its sound. Every hip hop artist has to find their sound. Every communicator has to find their sound. Every author has to find their sound. One of the hardest pieces, whether in music or art, um, writing or preaching, is when you see someone who's trying to be a carbon copy of another person's sound. And you go, oh man, that's that's like, you know, this person light, you know, or what a what this person is really trying to cop that person's sound. I, what I think is the hardest, most beautiful work, and you just named it. It was so, so good, is that I realized that I came across more authentic when I wasn't like up here, but it was like here. And so it's like there's a sound in which God has wired and shaped and formed and some of the most beautiful work that a preacher, communicator, artist, writer uh, can do is to go, oh, this is, this is me. You know, all of life is a stage. All of life is a stage. Every moment we're holding a microphone, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's such an interesting piece though, as you start to get really, really curious with what are those pieces that make up your unique sound? 
And that's what I've loved about you is I feel like you, you were discovering that and pressing into it, which I think is just um, only going to bear more fruit for the kingdom. Um, and actually, you're going to feel more of the thrill of God actually using you and the sound that he's anointed you with, um, not given to other people and asked you, try to be like that guy. Try to be like her. Try to be like that. So number. I'm making some tweaks. I'm still out of tune, yeah, but yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number seven, uh, 10 leaned in people and leaned in is kind of in quotes and just real quick, all of this stuff will, I'll put in the show notes and uh, so people can see, but 10 leaned in people at the front of the room can change an entire building's atmosphere. Yeah. So th- this is something I, I noticed as a preacher first, like, hey, um, this group at the front, even if the rest of the crowd maybe didn't start off as engaged, but like this, these 10 at the front who are taking notes, who are being responsive to God's word, who are literally like physically sometimes leaning in, like other people are watching this and it's making them feel almost like FOMO, like fear of missing out. And so like they go from being disengaged to being engaged simply by being in the same room with these 10 people who are, are leaned in. But it went from me noticing it as a communicator from the stage to me being challenged by it as a receiver from the audience. You know, it's like, like, Hey, someone else might receive this if I receive this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so instead of coming and just going through the motions sometimes at church, which we all are tempted to do sometimes it's like, Hey, like uh, I I think about Paul and Silas, like other people were set free by their worship. Other people can receive by you receiving. And um, I believe that with all my heart. And so that's something that I'm personally convicted of uh, on Sunday mornings when I'm not preaching. It's like, I want to be one of the 10 who helps the other people in the room get what this guy's trying to preach. That's fantastic. I love that. I love that. Hey, when we were together in Colorado at the at that dude ranch and it was awesome time, you know, we kind of ended and, you know, the whole the whole point of it was how do we become the kind of people that finish well? And, you know, Brad, Lominick, Josh Turner, I mean, that's, that's their whole heart is like helping guys finish well. And, you know, we, we, we were talking about this and, you know, I, for me, after I get done teaching, I'm always like, I'm one weekend closer to finish, finishing well, I'm just one weekend closer. I keep building that up, man. I just want to, I want to finish the race. Well, um, what, what practices, like what, what are you doing at 26 right now? I mean, you're, you're traveling, you're leading, you helping your parents, um, about to be a father, you and Maddie just have this great marriage. Like, um, you know, and this, and this, this podcast is about the craft of communication, but it's, it's, it's called crafting character for a reason. Cause we want our character to lead the way. Um, but I, I'm curious, like you seem so intentional. W- what are the intentional plays that you're, you're, you're kind of running right now? Um, so that you finish well, so that your character leads the way. So a, a massive one that um, we've just implemented this year, which is kind of embarrassing, but I'm, I'm excited about it, is Sabbath. Um, man, it, it's changed our life. I, I'm very naturally a, uh, I'm a doer um, more than a dreamer. I think people kind of lean towards one of those. I'm more of a doer. And my temptation is to try to be God's employee of the month. Um, you know, I just want to do as much as I can for God. And, and I say yes to things that I probably sh- don't have bandwidth to say yes to. Uh, but a Sabbath has been 
helping us make sure that we're in love with God more than working for God. And I've just noticed that that seems to be a common theme from, it doesn't even mean like, not just in pastors who have failures, but, but in pastors who just get burnt out is um, I've just noticed that that seems to be something that they struggle with too. It's like, they want to do for God so much that sometimes it replaces like, Hey, like my actual prize is being with God. Um, and when you're with someone who has that as their main goal, it's like, I just am so thankful to be with God today. You feel it. Like, like you're like, man, like they're refreshing to be around. Like they're refreshing to, to talk to. Um, and a similarity that I found in people like that is they Sabbath. That's so good. That's so good. I, I seriously, a day of like delighting, a day of just, uh, yeah, healthy escapes that just is, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not earning my worth. You know, you just think about the Hebrew people. I mean, 400 plus years, like their identity was in how many bricks they could produce. And out of God's kindness, he's like, hey, remember how I created this? That seventh day, it, it's for you too. This is for you. And just, he's almost trying to like rewire their brains and their minds like, I'm not Pharaoh. And man, it's so, it's so wild how even those who are communicating and preaching the gospel um, are like, I got to earn, I got to earn, I got to work, I got to work, I got to stay busy. And there is just something I feel like for creativity, there's something for our soul, there's something for our actual being, there's, there's something for the, our awareness and being able to tend to his presence, delighting in goodness that I think Sabbath really, really offers. I did not learn that in my 20s. Um, I was someone who violated Sabbath uh, regularly, you know, and, and even like this weekend, like I, I just ended up going hang with some friends. We spent the weekend just like we went to Wrigley and where the Cubs play, you know, and just like it was, it was another pastor, uh, a business or two pastors and a, and a, a business leader. And we just were like, we're going to have a weekend of like great conversation, great food, prayer, healthy escapes, like just delighting in, um, in God. And you, know, you, you wake up like the next day and you go preach and you're like, dude, I'm feel refreshed. It's just, and when you have those on the regular, man, it just, I feel like it helps me actually fulfill those seven that you talk about. I, I show up more expectant to receive. Like I, I don't want to hide out in a green room or a Costco. Like I want to be with people, but it's just amazing. Like one little choice can end up allowing me with the right headspace and heart space to, to experience all that God has for me, but all that God has for that room and that season. So bro, I'm so proud of you and just excited to see what God's going to continue to do in you, with you, for you, and obviously through you as a husband and father and um, just leader and pastor. Where can people find you, Noah? Yeah, I'm on uh, social media at Noah Heron, pretty much on um, all of them. And then uh, I've got a podcast where um, I interview different people from uh, different walks of life. They're not all pastors. Some of them are business leaders and some of them are uh, creatives. But we just talk about submitting our ways to Jesus. And it's uh, on iTunes, Spotify. It's called All Our Ways. So those are the main places. Fantastic. Well, Hey, thanks so much for joining us. And um, hey, for all of you who are tuning in, um, I'm so excited. We just uh, announced that Nancy Beach is going to be leading a cohort 
Uh, it's going to be filled with some incredible faculty, um, but also we're hoping that both men and women would sign up for this cohort. Uh, we, we do our cohorts pretty small, nine people, um, and we are so excited about this to really help shape uh, women and men to be preachers and leaders. Um, and what I, what I love is I remember talking with Danielle Strickland once, and she said, man, we are actually better together. And so this is going to be a cohort led by the one, the only, the legend, Nancy Beach. Um, and so you can learn more if you go to craftingcharacter.org. And if there's ever any ways I can serve you, feel free, reach out, steve at steveryancarter.com. I hope you all will listen, subscribe, share, um, but pass this, this, this word on. If you've got uh, maybe uh, a younger emerging voice in your church staff, um, introduce him to Noah. He, he's someone that uh, is worthy to follow and just support. Um, they're doing some incredible, incredible work. So with that, friends, many blessings and let's go and have our character lead the way. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan Podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.